You're listening to the Allow List Podcast. Hey, you guys, we've got an awesome episode for you today. We sat down with Saeed Fard, who is the founder of Dimensional, which is a social connection app that helps you better understand yourself so you can better connect with others. Lauren, this was an amazing get. I'm so glad you tracked him down. <laughs> I was obsessed with Saeed, uh, lurked him on LinkedIn and found him months ago. And when we started recording season four, I'm like, yep, he's our guy. Um, and he did not disappoint. In this episode, we talked about so much his journey uh, from management consulting to investment banking to going full time into this business. Um, this business really solves the problem that social connection is broken today, right? You look at someone's like Bumble profile and it's like, I like to hike and work out and like a hot picture of them. That doesn't tell me if we're going to be friends or like a good relationship. And this really flips it on its head with personality assessments on a deeper level that can tell you about your work connections, your relationship connections, and kind of the right, the right guidance for what, who you are and how you operate. You guys, we talked about it in the episode, but like, if you take one of these assessments, warning, you will feel so seen. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Steph got called the fuck out by hers. <laughs> Lauren laughed and said, that's the funniest thing I've seen all week when I texted her my personality assessment results. It was really good. So guys, you're going to love this episode with Saeed. Tune in, download Dimensional and let us know what you think. Saeed, it's so great to hang out with you. Thank you so much for coming on Allow List. Thank you for having me. All right. I have to admit, Dimensional is definitely personally attacking me. Um, but we're going to get into all of that <laughs> before we do. We would love if you could tell us and the listener a little bit about yourself and your career background up into the point of building Dimensional. Okay, I, I'm bad at short answers. So I'll, I'll try my best <laughs> at keeping it short. I started Dimensional in 2020 with my co-founder. Before that, I studied finance of all things. Everyone assumes I'm a psych major. Um, but I was a business major. I worked on Wall Street for a bit and then a management consultant at one of the top firms. And I hated my life doing those things. I've I didn't heard like that client it can service. be a very life-hating path. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, People are like recovering people from consulting. They're like, yeah, I used to be in consulting and now I'm trying to find myself again. Yeah. It's almost like being in an abusive relationship because I started in banking. Consulting didn't seem all that bad in comparison. And so I had to ask myself, am I just a spoiled brat who doesn't like anything? Or did both of these just, were they just not for me? Um, it turns out there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And <laughs> I just was not a good fit for either. Um, so I did a bit of a career 180. I took, we can get into this in, in more detail later, but I took steps in the direction of where I wanted to be. And where I wanted to be was building something I was passionate about, um, where I had decision-making authority and where I could be creative and helping people or at least at minimum the way the thing i told myself is i don't want to make the world worse <laughs> i think it's Low it's bar. really hard Low to bar. make the world better <laughs> yeah i think most i mean this is maybe a controversial uh, thought but i think most jobs particularly white collar jobs you're, you're often making the world worse um, so yeah. at least at least just being neutral yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah at least just being neutral i was happy with that i actually um, love that take because i do think it's like 
especially, I mean, I work in venture capital. It's like, you're looking for returns, right? It's like at all costs or like in a lot of the snack industries, it's like ingredients that people become addicted to that are terrible for them, but you're going to make a fuck ton of money. So the bar of just like not making the world worse is probably a higher bar than most businesses looking for profitability. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you picked the perfect example because how many products do we sell? How often are we selling people shit they don't need that is addictive or bad for their self-esteem? Um, like I have a ton of friends who... Again, I'm a capitalist, so I don't want to speak badly <laughs> of people. So I don't know if I want to name names, but... Um, even well-intentioned people, how it's actually hard when you think about it to do good, let alone to be neutral. I was reading something recently about like Facebook and like that was Mark, the company I wanted to mention. They think they're doing good work. Yeah, and I mean, in some ways, the the founding star of Facebook's a little bit different. But let's let's say Instagram, right? It was like connect people connect the world, make the world better through connection. And then there's like all of the downsides of like how you have how the business model to actually do that. So um, related to business models. So banking, management, consulting, you wake up, you realize this isn't the path. You decide, I want to do something that helps people. You decide to build dimensional. Tell the listener, what is dimensional? What are you building? So uh, We've changed our definition um, occasionally, but the simplest way to describe dimensional is we're a social network based on your personality. So the white space I thought of when coming up with the idea for dimensional was that people want to get to know other people. The way we do that right now is through a place like Instagram, where you can look at their photos and get their highlight reel. You can creep people on LinkedIn if you want to window in their, into their professional life. But there was no way to creep into people's personalities. Which Wait, to me is the on. most interesting part. On the of the note whole of thing. LinkedIn, if you creep people on LinkedIn, LinkedIn tells the person you were creeping on them. So no, 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 no. It's not so creepy. Not if you pay, not if you pay not, for gold. No, really. <laughs> not if you pay for it not to do yeah. that. Yeah. Come on. I do have a paid subscription, but I see people creeping my LinkedIn profile all the time. Yeah, you do because you pay. Yeah. yeah okay. Not oh. They don't know that. Mm. Yeah. My I had some weird people that I used to know. Have you had people slide into your LinkedIn DMs? I have Uh, no. Is that a thing? No. That would be kind of weird. Like, I feel like they might... I have had friends that that's happened to. It's definitely... (laughs) I just saw an article about how Gen Z is done with dating apps, so they're turning to LinkedIn for dating. I'm like... Honestly, I love it. I don't love that. Why not? No, like, if they've done the job... Okay, as somebody who's professionally in sales and leads a team, I have people all the time reach out to me like, Hey, Steph, how are you connected to this person on LinkedIn? It would be mortifying if I was like, oh, yeah, I went on like a date one time with this guy and it was terrible. <laughs> we don't want we don't want me to reach out to him, you know? Yeah, you're an honest person. You could always lie. That's true. That's I yeah. say I That's could lie. Yeah. Right. Yeah lie but maybe okay. dimensional would tell you that you're an honest person so right it let's, let's, let's reel it in back to dimensional so yeah. you are a connection application based on your personality yeah so originally the and this still is the mission but originally the idea behind dimensional was to help people become more in tune with who they are more self-aware and more self-actualized and the natural extension of that and you can see this in people's behavior is you if you understand yourself better, you want to understand other people better. And behaviorally, if you take a personality test that you think is interesting or really describes you bang on, you want your friends to take it. You want your partner to take it. You want people in your family to take it. Um, So despite the fact that it's a very personal experience, it really lends itself to, I would say, a different kind of social uh, experience. It's not like 
TikTok where you're lurking people, content creators who you don't know. It's much more on the other end of the spectrum where you're um, getting to know the people in your life deeper. So from a tactical perspective, you download the app, you sign up. What is kind of the first thing you do when you, when you go to the app? You answer a lot of questions about yourself. Too many questions, frankly. Yes, I've answered them. <laughs> yeah, you've gone through all of them? Almost all of them, I think. I feel like there's like new things that always pop up that are like, look at this assessment. There are, yeah. So when people think about personality tests, and I tell them we run a personality testing company, they think, you know, we give people a color and we tell them which Hogwarts house they're in. Now, we actually do do both of those things. But we're much more in-depth than that. I, I liken us to more of a 23andMe for your personality. We measure about 200 traits across a number of psychometric inventories, everything from your motivational values and, to, and more scientific instruments, um, like the big five and their associated facets, to more fun assessments that um, get to know you and create frameworks to better understand your sexuality, your love styles, your communication style. So we're everything from you know, incredibly scientific and well-researched to more fun frameworks where you can um, compare yourself with your partner and people. So for the listener, as an example, Steph in a nutshell, you guys have listened to me talk to a ton of guests. You probably know a little bit of this. Unwavering Optimist. Personal development books are the first and only thing on my reading list. Like how many times do I drop that? You're running out of things to add to your bucket list. Some might call you bossy, but you prefer confident. And you strive to master as many skills as you possibly can in this lifetime. Like those are the types of insights that you get when you take these assessments. There's also it's, an annoying habits list, but I'm not going to list that for you guys. You'll have to keep so guessing. Because like that is so you, Steph. Right? Who's like taken stand up at Second City and has done so many different eclectic things in your life because you just want to like learn how to do them. And like you're, you're such a lifelong learner. Like it's you to a T. Yeah. So Sayid, I have to ask this question because I am like the personality test guru. I'm like, oh, try the Colby, try the DISC, try the, you know, like name your personality assessment. Was there an assessment that inspired you or that? How, how did you kind of think to combine these things? It's a good question. It's kind of a long winded answer. One of the insights we had when starting Dimensional was that the assessment market is kind of commoditized. Everyone claims to have the better mousetrap, when in reality, they're all pretty similar. And so our innovation was taking existing open source assessments and thinking about exactly use the word combining them. Mm. There isn't a single platform until Dimensional that measures both how you give and express love um, and sexuality, something like inherently romantic, and also how you behave in the workplace and your general measures of personality through, say, the big five or... Um, through cognitive function. So we thought the real opportunity is to take all of them into and build our proprietary, I call it our psychometric model. We decide what's important to measure, how to measure it, and how they combine. Um, and as of the last six months, we've added AI on top of that, where a lot of the insights that you discover on Dimensional look at those combinations of traits. Um, so you might like getting gifts, and you might also um, be highly irritable. This is not an example. So maybe if you get the wrong gift, you'll get really annoyed by it. I'm describing an X, not kidding. (laughs) This is just me projecting. Uh, But but we're able to give like, people have a sense of magic when they use dimensional. We always get, we often hear the statements like, wow, it really called me out. Or this was so specific. I've never used a personality test like this. And it's because of that. It's because we're able to combine traits 
and interpret the relationship between trades and iterate on that and keep improving our ability to interpret those trades. Hey, you guys, we've got some exciting news for you. And if you live in Chicago, listen up because this is for you. This season, we've teamed up with Pinch, the med spa that comes directly to you. Okay, so in case you forgot, we had their co-founder on the pod last season, and he told us how you can get services like talks, filler, peels, and even other like wellness services from board-certified nurse practitioners. But not joking, like that's not even the best part. The best part is they come to you. Literally, all you need to do is go to their site, bookpinch.com, put in your treatment, plug in your address, and book your appointment. On appointment day, they show up to your house so you can jump off a Zoom meeting, get your injections or other service, and boom, you're right back on to your next Zoom. If you are a busy working mom like me, but you want a forehead that looks like glass, or if you have the social calendar of our dear butterfly friend, Lauren, Pinch wants to hook you up on your first treatment. Okay, so if you want some talks, appeal, maybe you need an IV brought to you, Pinch has everything covered. Follow Book Pinch on Instagram and use promo code ALLOWLISTVIP when booking your first service for $50 off. You guys, Pinch is taking off and they're currently only operating in Chicago. So this means you get to be the first of your friends to bring the med spa to you and get bragging rights that you discovered them first. So book an appointment for yourself. Maybe even, hey, book a Pinch party. Invite your friends over. Everybody get Botox together. Use code ALLOWLISTVIP at checkout to get $50 off. So it sounds like you set out to kind of build this thing and you had some ideas around what you were building, but like all businesses do, it's evolved since that day. Talk to us though about kind of what consumer trends or market trends really drove you to build this business and like, why did you think it was the right time to build this for the consumer today? I worked at a career testing company for six years before starting Dimensionals. I kind of skipped over that when (laughs) we talked about my professional background. And, and that's where I learned a lot about psychometrics and personality testing and essentially how to measure people. And we used personality testing to give people um, really precise and, pres- and prescriptive career, uh, sorry, career recommendations. So you should be an architect or you should be a teacher. We did a bunch of user interviews. And the insight that we got over and over again is people care less about just being told what to do and they care much more about understanding themselves. And the theme that came up, particularly with Gen Z's, we actually did a full focus group with a bunch of um, college students, high school students across the states. The theme that came up, surprise, surprise, people felt lonely, alienated, and lacking purpose in life. It was the resounding theme. And I feel like I'm a millennial. I feel like every generation has it worse than the next. Pessimistically, and I think the, t- the take right now culturally is mostly pessimistically that um, the world's getting worse. You know, climate change is making is ruining the environment. Um, capitalism is destroying everything. There's no good jobs anymore. Religion is gone. The family unit is gone. Like the, the prescription for that alienation is always pessimistic. Um, I have a different take, and that's we just live in a more and more abundant world. And in a world of abundance, we've just moved collectively up Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So our grandparents didn't need to worry about their self-esteem or have a weekly conversation with their therapist or understand their purpose in life or their job. Because if you got a job, you were lucky. 
and you'd already you they were at a lower layer in Maslow's hierarchy. And so it just happens to be that because of all of the great things we have, um, and every generation actually has it better than the next, that we're asking ourselves deeper questions. We're asking ourselves about um, our relationships, our self-esteem. How do we want to find love? Like love was a luxury that even my parents didn't have. Uh, they jokingly sometimes say, you don't want love, do you? <laughs> um, so all of that to say is I think we've literally just collectively moved up um, and people have more esteem needs and self-actualization needs. And that was the real, if you want to call it a market force, but that was the cultural force that I think Dimensional is riding on, where we help people self-actualize. Uh, we help people, not quite yet, but in the future, Dimensional will help people also improve their self-esteem, um, understand themselves further. Okay, I really long-winded answer. No, I'm so glad you took us there because I've never heard it more eloquently put. Lauren and I talk all the time about like, why are we so disconnected when technically we're like the most connected we've ever been as a society? How is it that we have like this self-love narrative and like this inclusivity narrative and yet people have never felt worse about themselves and depression, as a, depression suicide, anxiety, all-time highs? It's like these... Like this world is a contradiction right now. And I think you you put it really well. It's like, if we just look back a generation, two generations, three generations, like they had very different problems to solve. And now we're at this level where like everybody, well, everybody in America. No, that's not true either. M many people have their basic needs met, right? And so they are able to move up that ladder. It kind of begs the next question, which is you, Saeed, had... My guess is a pretty cushy job between banking and the work that you were doing in um, management consulting and probably the other companies you worked for too. And yet you decided, risk it all, right? I'm going to go be a founder of a technology company, which is very, very difficult to build. And if you can build it, very, very difficult to get people to come. And so when you were mental mathing for yourself, the opportunity in front of you to go build versus the opportunity in front of you to continue down the path, the nine to five. How did you, how did you end up on that side of the equation? I'm going to go build this. There's so many ways I can answer that question. Um, one is a simple exercise that I think a lot of people have done, which is at just asking myself honestly, when do I feel most fulfilled? And literally writing down all the things that make me not necessarily happy, but fulfilled in flow, uh, feel like I have some kind of purpose in my life. And they all related to creativity and bringing something new into the world. Um, sounds like a baby. I'm bringing a new product into the world. Um, and on a related note, this all kind of culminated at the same time. Um, a psychologist who is actually an investor in Dimensional now, um, he took me through a litany of assessments. He was one of the first people who introduced me to psychometrics. I went through a, a day-long process with him. And... He is, his summary of me, I think, I'm, I won't even paraphrase. I think his exact words were, say, you have all this business training, but you have the personality of an artist. And then he went on to tell me if I want to be fulfilled. Uh, I was getting career guidance from him at that point. If you want to be fulfilled, you have to marry the two of those things together. Can we have and this I, man's number? Like we, <laughs> we need yeah, this number. <laughs> I need He's to expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth every penny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this probably won't make it into the, uh, the podcast, but I want to tell the story anyway. Um, so this was before I started the career testing job. This is kind of my interview. I didn't know it was an interview at a time, but he took me through a bunch of assessments and intelligence tests in person. And he told me this and I said, his name is Larry. I, 
I was kind of lost at this point in my life and said, Larry, you know, I've never had a mentor before, but like, I really value this time. Um, like, are you, could you be my mentor? It was me being really vulnerable for the first time. And uh, his response was, I'm really busy. No, he's the most direct person. <laughs> the, the irony is he actually did. He ended up not only investing in me, he ended up becoming a good friend of mine. He lives in Vancouver. I stay with him and his wife anytime I'm down there. So we're actually really close now. But he, he gave me a, a solid rejection. He's on the website, mentor, advisor, <laughs> investor. Yeah, I don't even think he made if the website. If you see me, will you be my mentor? And Larry's like, this is my job. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his job is to analyze people, not to help them. He's like an evil therapist in that way. That He's an evil psychologist. So interesting. You like fall in love with Larry because you're like, oh my gosh, you know me. You're going to help me. And he's like, next. <laughs> Yeah, I think he thought at a time I would be his like protege because he needed someone to take over his practice. Um, little did he know I wanted to do this. But I think Larry and I have, we, ironically, we have a lot in common now. We both judge people for a living, but we don't necessarily help them. We just we just diagnose who they are. We just give them the information. Okay. Yeah. So, um, think about dimensional and you know everything you're out to accomplish, bringing the business to market. Talk a little bit about step one of building this business, how you went about even fundraising, thinking about building the tech, like what did that look like and how have you funded this company? So it's not just, you know, a project you had in your mind, but really has come to life. Yeah, the, hard, the hardest flywheel or the hardest thing about building a startup initially, I learned was just getting that flywheel going. And that flywheel for me was money and people. I knew I could design and build a compelling product because those were my strengths, but I knew I couldn't do this alone. And in order to get the people I needed to help me, I needed money to pay them. And so my first six months, I put together a deck with as many mock... I played to my strengths. I can design. So I put together as many mock-ups as I could describing user flows. And I went to people in my network and tried to raise a bit of money. And that first check I got from a friend of mine, it was a small check, but it was a check that I could then take to someone to come and join me and say, Hey, look, there's a real idea here. And those initial, I won't take you through the full list of small checks I accumulated initially, but those initial few proof points that, look, I can get people to give me money to build this and I can get people to join me. Those are validating both for me, but also for everyone else. Um, once that flywheel got going, then everything got easier. It's still incredibly hard, but I would say for me, someone who didn't have an incredible network of VCs, I wasn't in the valley. I had no idea how to fundraise. Um, it was those initial conversations, those many conversations I had uh, yeah. to start the business that it's made it happen. It's interesting because that early, you know, you want to have a good idea that's probably going to change a lot. You're really asking someone to take a bet on you, the founder, right? That, that early. And I think the funny thing about fundraising, and it probably speaks to, you know, how humans are wired and dimensional could probably tell us a lot about this is it's just like, once someone else writes a check, someone's like, oh, someone believes in you, then maybe I'll believe in you. And you see this in venture capital all the time when someone has a lead in their round. And as much as it's like kind of fucked up, you're like, can everyone think for themselves? It is this group mentality of like, once you get the ball rolling, the ball keeps rolling. But you know, how do you get that first person to really take a bet on you? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, from a founder perspective, the most frustrating thing is hearing venture capitalists tell me that they're contrarians <laughs> for that very reason. Like maybe some of you are. And I would say, our, to be honest, I would say most of our investors are because um, 
Dimensional has never been an on-brand uh, within the Zeitgeist investment. When people invested in us, the hottest thing was crypto and Web3. Um, now it's AI. We're, yes, we use AI, but we're not an AI business. We've never followed a hot trend. And so we've always needed contrarians to believe in what we're doing. I think that that's actually like the reason why Lauren and I are attracted to this business is she and I talk a lot about novelties versus future staples. And I think the novelty, right, is, I don't know, some new tech that doesn't really have a use case. It's like a, it's looking for a problem to solve, you know, but it's like interesting. And then there's the real use case that we see in dimensional, which is again, people are disconnected yet. We're connected. People are unhappy and looking for authentic connection. And the apps aren't providing that, right? Like flipping through dating profiles endlessly to just find maybe one person that you'll slightly connect with when you meet in real life. And it's probably going to be a semi shitty date, like doesn't feel good. And I think like we're seeing that with Gen Z, right? Gen Z is like, we're ditching the apps. We're going to go to LinkedIn to find love because it actually seems like we're more likely to find it there. Dimensional flips that on its head. It says, no, we know how people connect. We know how to promote like a deeper conversation and knowing yourself, you can know others better. Um, and, And we can facilitate that through technology. And so to me, it's like, this is the future staple of how humans will connect and use technology as a way to do so, which kind of like leads me to, this isn't something small that you're setting out to build. Like there's the technology component of, okay, we have to design our own personality assessment using open source code and, and figuring out that component. Then there's also like, okay, now we need an application we can wrap around this in order to make the user experience such that people will actually come and join this cause. And then there's a third component, which is, okay, now we need people to use it because it sucks to be on a dating app when you're the only person there. Like you need the other, the, the people you're attracted to on the app to actually make that make sense. And there's you, there's a few small checks, and there's a couple people that are now, you know, behind you rallying for this business. How do you take all the problems that you need to solve and put together a roadmap and a team that allows you to go and solve these things? We have six people now, which is the biggest we've ever been. And I feel for the first time, like, wow, we can actually move fast. But when Honestly, I tell people that, they still, tell, this is huge. They, they still tell me like, wow, six people have nothing, but it's huge for me. Uh, <laughs> I think the, the nice thing for us is we have this vision. We want to be the personality platform of the web. We want to integrate with dating apps. We want to integrate in work with workplace apps. And we want people to think of their dimensional profile. That's something they own that they can take with them and improve their experiences along, um, along the way on different applications. And we might have a few applications that we build in the dimensional ecosystem ourselves. The way I think about getting there is really listening to our users and and knowing when not to listen to them as well. Um, Maybe that sounds like a contradiction, but an example I can give or the way I think about product development is I do a lot of, I still do a lot of user interviews myself. I try to do at least one every week from different types of users. So I have, I have a a bit of an intuitive sense of what the demographic is that uses us and why. Um, I try not to ask, I will ask, but I try not to ask directly like what features should we build? Because people tend to think very iteratively. They won't think big picture, you're trying to get here. Here's something radically different that'll get you there. So a feature might be, oh, you have assessments. Give me more assessments. Or um, these assessments are good. Maybe like shorten them a little bit. Um, but they give me a pretty great insight into how 
people use the app. Um, in terms of where we don't listen to them or we try not to listen to them is just looking at the metrics and seeing if what they if what they say lines up with us. So the beauty about building a consumer company, which is why I'm drawn to consumers, we get so much quick iteration. We can test every little feature, uh, both qualitatively from user feedback and from metrics. So we we are a very touchy-feely app, but we also collect a ton of data and really try to understand what's working and what isn't. And we're willing to kill things that aren't. Um, and I'm getting better at that. It's something that I'm working on. I don't know if that answers your question. I could have a longer conversation about like product road mapping, but I feel like it'd be really boring for the audience. No, that's, that's really valuable. And just thinking about building a consumer business and how... How do you know weigh the consumer's feedback and opinion in a way that's valuable for kind of the feedback that you're actually looking for for the life cycle of the business? That said, you said you do interviews yourself. You think a lot about you know the type of consumer this product resonates with. How do you plan to target this consumer? What is the demographic you're really thinking is your early adopter versus your long term user? Talk us through that. So we think about growing with our audience. Our audience right now is predominantly female Gen Z, which works great for us because as far as the social app goes, if girls are there, the guys will come. So right now we're <laughs> four to say, one. Like, kind of nailed it in terms yeah, of Yeah, it, it works out the, perfectly. The user. Uh-huh. So demographically, our user is a 24-year-old female. And that was um, that our average user, I should say, our median user. And that was kind of by design. When we set out to build a consumer personality test, we didn't want to build what every other personality testing company does, which is typically for the workplace, for older people um, like in their 30s and 40s who have wallet size to spend this kind of stuff, to spend money on this kind of stuff. Uh, we want to take an opposite approach and thought like, who would actually find this valuable in a fun way? And we thought it's people early on in their careers who can still make changes in their career direction and are less stuck in their ways. They would find this valuable and people date actively dating or in early relationships where they want to understand their partner. Um, so a lot of the content in the app, both in the choice of assessments and the output is oriented around dating. While we don't want to be a dating app, um, we I think of us as the second or third date app. It's you've gone on a date, you kind of got along with them. Hey, why don't we compare dimensional profiles and maybe like share some screenshots about our toxic traits or um, about um, you know who we vibe with and who we don't. Um, that's love- the market we're kind of uh, targeting. We're frankly still thinking about our marketing strategy though. Of, how do we be the second date app? Yeah, I love this idea of being the second date app. No one talks about that, right? But it's like, how do you get to know each other on this deeper level that dating apps absolutely do not give you? I also think you had a unique insight talking about kind of like the older generations. They're not looking to change most of the time. They're not like, gosh, what am I going to do in my career next? And how can I better myself? I don't know. My mom has had an incredible career as a wonderful woman has read every self-help book, but now she's done with it. She like, I'm like, I read this book. Steph told me about it. She's like, I've read it all. So I think um, that is a key insight when you're looking at, you know, apps like this that really dig deeper because we're finding that Gen Z is very values oriented. They spend a lot of time talking about their feelings, therapy, they value authenticity. And these are all things that really relates to them. That said, I feel like there's so many moving pieces of this application and you do have a broader vision than what it is today, right? You kind of mentioned it. You're like, maybe for the workplace, maybe for dating. What is kind of like 
the biggest picture of what this can become. I know there's probably a lot of ways you could take this, but I'm just curious if you could touch on kind of the different ways that this is like the app of the next century that is plugged into every aspect of our life. Guys, girls, allow listers, listen up. We've got more exciting news for you. This season, we teamed up with Alice, mouth-watering functional mushroom chocolates for a better you. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, you know I'm obsessed with all things functional mushrooms. She really is. Not a joke, not a drill. Lauren loves functional mushrooms, and we do too. You might remember we sat down with their co-founders on the pod. They told us all about how they formulated their best sellers to deliver amazing benefits through the power of functional mushrooms, which they source from a female-owned collective of mushroom farms. Gotta love it. Women, supporting women, supporting women. They have products like Brainstorm for Focus, Nightcap for Great Sleep, and Happy Ending for Great Sex. I mean, guys, great focus has to start with great chocolate. I mean, great sleep definitely starts with great chocolate. (laughs) Great sex starts with great chocolate. Listen, coming from me, a great life starts and ends with great chocolate. Okay, so what you need to do is follow them on Insta at alice.mushrooms or head over to their site to place your order at alicemushrooms.com. And listen, we're not stopping there. We're hooking you up. Use code allowlist 20 for 20% off at checkout and enjoy the best chocolate with the best benefits. I think there's two likely possible outcomes. Uh, poss- possible outcome one is your self-awareness app that you use not only to understand yourself, but to work on yourself. Uh, this is more of a uh, single player experience, as I call it, where you take dimensional initially. If you think about what dimensional is, it's a diagnostic of who you are. We don't tell you how to be better. We'll tell you um, you're a bad listener as one of your toxic traits, but we won't tell you how should you be a better listener? Or how can that affect your relationships? So taking it in the direction of actually um, helping people through practices within the app um, improve themselves and integrating with therapy apps, with life coaches, and being kind of the, the platform for everything wellness and personal development. I think there's yet to be a brand that's captured that, a consumer brand that's captured uh, uh, that entire space. There's little brands that do this here and there, but there isn't a, you know, a meta for wellness. Um, I'm literally thinking like Duolingo, right? 10 minutes a day to improve your listening skills or whatever it is your toxic trait is. Exactly. And I mean, speaking of product roadmap, one of our initiatives this year that I'm incredibly excited about is what we call practices. So practices are the complements to assessments. An assessment is to understand yourself. A practice is to go much deeper. Um, Practice examples I can give you. So these would be daily activities, whether it's journaling or activities, um, getting over a breakup, um, healing your inner child, um, recovering from trauma, um, improving your self-esteem. These are kind of improving your gratitude. Um, and they would co- be complementary. I won't go into too much detail about it, but I think of it as like the yin to the yang of, okay, I understand myself now. Now what can I do with this? Um, so that's one potential outcome. Um, the other I alluded to earlier, which is much more oriented around just doubling down on that diagnostic side and being what I call the personality layer of the web, where we integrate with other platforms like um, dating, Slack for the workplace, um, we could still integrate with, say, the better helps of the world to help you find a better therapist or to fast forward your relationship with a the therapist. 
Um, we hear this all the time as an example. I took my dimensional results. We actually have you to say this. I took my dimensional results and I went over it with my therapist and said, here, just read this so we can skip the first session. Like these are all the things that are <laughs> fucked up about me. <laughs> um, and of course, we could do like therapist matching and those kinds of things as well. So that vision is more of, let's say, the um, what LinkedIn is to resumes, we would be to personnel. It's actually, it's not a perfect analogy, but somewhat yeah. similar where we're a database of personalities that you can take with you. And there could be something in between, but those are the two broad visions we have in our mind. I like both potential angles for the business. And it sounds like you guys are very user-centric and we'll kind of let them guide you in the direction that you're meant to head, which is useful and hard. And on the topic of hard, again, what you're doing is not easy. What would you say has been the hardest part about building Dimensional to date? Making it a mainstream app. So we are, I classify us as a power user app. People who like Dimensional tend to love Dimensional. They go through all the assessments. There are evangelists. They want more assessments and more ways to understand themselves. They're okay with spending three hours answering questions and they read every little thing about themselves. That's not everyone, but that's definitely what the app and the feature set has been catered towards so far. In order to meet definitely the second vision I described, but I think in either case, we need to be a little bit more accessible. And so that's what we've, we're spending the next year on is thinking through like piece by piece. How do we not dilute the value of dimensional or the quality of the insights, but make assessments shorter, make onboarding quicker, reduce the friction to get insights about yourself? Um, I feel like we've built an incredibly compelling product for people who love us. But for people who are maybe skeptical about personality testing or think of it as um, you know, horoscopes for men, as I've heard it be called, despite the fact that it's mostly women who use our apps, um, for those I'm people... I need to read the horoscopes. I feel like they'd be very different in the world if they were. Men just respectfully, men probably use a little more self-development because you know there's a lot more women talking about therapy and their moon sign and what's best for them and you know completely. you don't even need to say respectfully i'm completely in agreement with you yeah, right but, like can, yeah. i actually am like envisioning a future where somebody shows up on on a call and they're like yeah i'm like a pisces my moon is in jupiter like i don't even know the terms you know but i'd be like wow very self-aware like, okay. yeah i'm a pisces my, my moon's in jupiter so i'm just feeling a little bit low energy right now right and plus mercury's in retrograde yeah, <laughs> yeah. Julie, oh, we really we took I, the horoscope uh, reference to another level. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, this is on a somewhat related note. I think if you ask most women, maybe not most, but certainly more women than men, if you ask them, what are some shitty things about you? I don't know if it's socialization or genetics. Most women will list a lot of things. If you ask men, I think men, they just don't even, it's not that they think they're perfect. They just haven't thought about the question. Yeah. Listen. I agree with that. That is the yeah. exact issue. We're like, we've journaled about this for years. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I would call that lack of self-awareness. Like, yeah, what am I? Right. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's truly not that men think they're perfect. They just never, it never occurred to them to ask the question, like, what is it I do that annoys people? Right. Men, when they're in their 60s or 70s, they tend to have no friends and women do. It's because men are just all annoying each other and not thinking about that question. That's my theory. That's my right. You need a strong woman. I feel like, my mom has shaped my dad, you know, like, Jim. <laughs> like that. We love Jim on this podcast. Or just a woman to make friends. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a social woman to make friends for the man. Yeah. This is true. This is true. See, what you're building is very complicated and being a founder isn't easy. 
what advice would you have to someone listening, you know, thinking about building a business right now? This might be on brand, undimensional, maybe too on the nose, but really asking yourself why you're doing it. It took a lot of self-reflection for me to think, am I doing this because I want money? Do I want to be powerful? Do I want to be famous? And I've, I don't want to disparage any founders because it's such a hard journey, but I think a lot of people do it for the wrong reasons. And so when tough times come, they give up. Um, if you're doing something to be famous, as an example, it's okay if you like fame, but if that's your primary motivation, not because it's a problem that you're really curious about, um, you will probably give up when things get tough. So I think being really honest with yourself about what it is you want to work on and why. Ironically, I think founders, you can never say this, but founders who say, I just want to be rich, they're probably more likely to be successful than any founder who wants power or fame, as an example. Because at least people who, want, who just want to be rich, they'll pivot and they'll find something else. Like chasing wow. money. Yeah. Well, this is really great insight. I love the hot takes you're sharing. Also, here's the million dollar question. Should they take a dimensional um, assessment to determine if one of their bullet points is like you would be an excellent founder because of your the things that you are? For sure. I think they would need maybe a little bit more. They need a conversation with me to really go into their results to determine that. <laughs> so we're actually, we're layering on a plug, though, one of the things we thought about was um, having one of the compatibility insights be um, a work-based insight, like how well do you two work together? And mm. it, using our um, using our personality model and our AI model, we my co-founder and I actually asked a bunch of questions like. Would we be good founders together? This was after we already went down that path together. So, um, <laughs> like this better turn our, out well. <laughs> yeah. What are our blind spots? Like, what are our mutual strengths? Like, how do our strengths complement each other? But what are our mutual blind spots? Like, is there something Ooh. where we both just suck and our team's going to be really frustrated with us? And the results were incredibly good. Now, we don't want to productize that because um, it'd be going down a path that is not our focus right now. But if we can find some version of that, I, I think it'd be incredibly valuable. Wait, I completely agree. Even like I think about my relationship with my husband, that would be valuable, right? Because like we are collectively great at, uh, you know, some things, but also like there's total misses that we're like, oh, how do we miss that? Um, mm -hmm. My relationship with Lauren, right? We work on stuff together, but then also me as a leader with the team that I work with, me as a direct report to my boss, me, you know, there's so many useful areas that I could see that applied. So like you don't want to, you don't want to mainstream it. I think you should. <laughs> like every family needs to do this before Thanksgiving, you know, like oh, family, oh, yeah. I feel like people always talk about how family Thanksgiving, like someone starts talking about politics or there's like something. That would be so fun. Like that is like a really good, I don't know, maybe it's a marketing thing for Thanksgiving because yeah. Yeah, you want to market that for us. I'll build the feature if you could put <laughs> yeah. it on the podcast. I was thinking about this because my brother runs a tequila company and at Thanksgiving, they post like when drinking Lo Siento at the table, like questions to ask. And it's always like things that start a fight. It's like, what do you guys think of the election? Or like, just like really like provoking family questions. And I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of a hilarious marketing strategy. Yeah. I digress. I mean, yeah, nothing says uh, Thanksgiving like uh, tequila. Yes. Was it Thanksgiving if you didn't take shots with grandma and grandpa and start a fight? <laughs> 
Yeah. Uncle Bob about his political beliefs. It's a Thanksgiving. Oh my God. Said, you put this so eloquently earlier. The reason why you decided to go into consumer is because you yourself are obsessed with the end users of your application and having that direct tie to them, it sounds like is really meaningful to you. Lauren and I are equally obsessed with all things consumer, brands, technology, media, everything. And we oftentimes are texting, gushing about the thing that we just discovered. What's the thing that you're gushing about right now to your friends that you recently discovered? This is a bad answer, but it's the honest one. I just I started going to F45 and I oh, got it. I, I, yeah, I never thought I would be a fitness class person. I just thought it's a I just thought well, it's, a, it's like a narcissist escape. <laughs> but I've been loving it. There's no mirrors. It's incredibly inclusive. All different body types, all different kinds of people. And I didn't realize I like to be pushed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is not a consumer app or brand. Maybe not for this audience. Wait, no, we talk about consumer app all the time, too. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was, I've been to Barry's. I've been to a lot of these things. And I hated all of them. Like, you have the mirrors everywhere. I don't mm-hmm. want to look at my abs while I'm in the middle of a workout. I just want to be disgusting and not have people look at it. <laughs> and so for me, it was great. I have two things to say. One, F45, when I like, before I lived in Chicago, I would come visit my fiance and I would take classes. And one time I took an F45 class and they got my text message. And I, even if I hit unsubscribe, they text me maybe once a month. Are you ready to lose some weight? I'm like, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> Stop. I'm like, like, I'm actually feeling fine. Um, And the other thing about the mirrors, during COVID, I bought a Peloton and I wrote it in my apartment and I didn't look at a mirror. And then I never had that insight until like I hadn't worked out in front of a mirror for for like, you know, a year and a half. And I went up to the gym again and it was like, it's just a distraction. I'm like, wow, I look like shit. My hair looks like, you know, it's like, there's something to be said for that as like the future of working out because like, does anyone really want to see themselves? Exactly. I currently they run see into themselves. in the mirror at Orange Theory. And I'm like, I, like, do I make eye contact with me? Because I'm so close to me in this mirror. It's really awkward. Yeah. And then I'm like, do I look at him? Like the guy next to me in the mirror? I agree. The mirror. It's a hot take. Next to me. I'm like, how fast are they running? Fuck. Don't run fast. Oh, yeah. I do that too. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a to- that is my toxic trait. I'll be. I know I'm not supposed to compare myself to others, but if there's a guy in front of me doing better, I'm like, fuck. I guess I have to like injure right. my knee to. Yeah, to I, do a, no, I guess I'm not. I'm running so fast on the treadmill. I'm like, I'm gonna fly off this thing, but I, I can't. I can't let up. He's running on ten. I gotta hit ten. Yeah, it's, a, it's um, unfortunately, I guess, the type A in all of us. I never thought I was type A until until now. <laughs> Said, as you think about consumer brands, uh, you said you like F45. We also love to ask the question of like, if there's one consumer brand, it can be a workout, it can be a physical product, it can be a tech that you would invest in right now. What would it be? I'll, I'll deviate from that a little bit to say a theme that I would invest in because I don't know if there's a specific brand. I'm a big believer in just being off cycle. Like when... When crypto and Web3 were the hot thing, I thought most companies getting funded, frankly, were trash and being invested by people who didn't understand the technology. Um, It was a great market for grifters. Um, Now, you can make the same claims about AI. Other than OpenAI and the companies actually building the underlying tech, most AI startups I would not invest in unless they're building the underlying models and engines and doing the training, which is incredibly expensive. Uh, But I would be investing actually in Web3 now 
Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity. And if I was starting a startup right now, I'd probably be in Web3. I think there's a lot of opportunity to disintermediate um, you know, publishers, um, agencies, like anyone who's a middleman. I did, I did believe in the vision of Web3. I just thought it was full of charlatans at the time. Now that the charlatans have moved on to other areas, I think there's probably a lot of good opportunities to invest and to build businesses. Like I'm not an investor. I would love to build a real business in Web3. Now, obviously, my focus is dimensional. But if I was starting a business right now, and probably, therefore, as an investor, that's where I would be focusing. Well, I don't know if you know this, that, but my fund, the fund I work at, we invest in a lot of blockchain. That is our core thesis. So I didn't know that. Shows how, shows how much research I did for this call. We <laughs> took that. Um, and I agree because a lot of the tourists in the space have have left um, because they were looking for a quick cash grab or to launch a token. And now we're seeing like really durable use cases um, for the underlying technology, which is blockchain. Um, but I think a lot of that got confused in the hype cycle. And likewise, we're seeing a lot of decks that were Web3 companies with AI on the front of them. <laughs> so it's like, you know, people do do follow the trend. And I think there's something to be said for like double down, doubling down on what you want to build, what you believe in, what problem you're solving, and kind of having your blinders on. Yeah, maybe I've never wanted to follow a trend, but maybe dimensional with a Web3 company, who knows? I, in the second I, vision I talked about... I have so many thoughts about like owning, owning your identity, being able to port it with you, interoperability, but you know, another, another podcast. Right. Another, yeah, maybe another, another conversation. Yeah. Um, I would love to learn more. I'm, I'm completely ignorant about this space, so it's something I need to yeah. learn more about. Oh, well, we've got recommendations on that too. Say so somebody's probably listening, thinking that is the coolest idea I've ever heard. I want to go work for that person. I'm thinking of an app that is just like dimensional and I want him to mentor me. Where can people find you to learn directly from you and, and also support dimensional and everything you guys are doing? They can probably find me on Twitter. I'm S Fard on Twitter. I'm trying to think, I don't have that much social presence. So that would be the main way to, to contact me. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Amazing. And we'll link in the show notes dimensional so you guys can go right there, head to their website, download the app, figure out all your toxic traits. Trigger warning, you will feel seen and it might hurt a little bit. <laughs> but it'll be fun. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Aid. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on our socials at Allow List VIP. And if you've made it this far, you probably enjoyed the conversation. Or you fell asleep. <laughs> So if you wouldn't mind, take one minute to rate and review the show wherever you're listening.